This is, of course, um, most unfortunate. It's tragic. Is that the government's plan to punish the victims? You want to highlight the negative stuff, even when there's no evidence. The government banned Twitter. Can you explain that move? Nigeria, as I said, operates a democratic system of government. Nigeria has been making headlines for all the wrong reasons lately. Kidnappings and violence are on the rise in large areas of the country amid talk of a spiraling security crisis. And as citizens cope with unemployment and inflation, President Buhari is getting attention for blocking Twitter and for an apparent violent crackdown on protesters who call for an end to police violence. My guest this week from Berlin is Nigerian Ambassador Yosef Tugar. How does he explain the track record of this government as he tries to attract badly needed investment to Africa's largest economy? Ambassador Tugar, welcome to Conflict Zone. Thank you for having me. Nigeria is said to be facing a spiraling security crisis. Terrorism, kidnappings, intercommunal violence dramatically on the rise in recent months. Has President Buhari lost control? Certainly not. He has not lost control. He has done a lot in terms of security. Uh, when he came into office in 2015, Boko Haram in the northeast was holding about 18 local government areas. Today, it doesn't hold a single uh, local government area. However, it does not mean that uh, the violence being unleashed by uh, a Boko Haram, for instance, uh, has ended. So it hasn't. They continue to move and strike and, uh, and run away. It's a very difficult terrain. So uh, it's not surprising that uh, it has uh, stretched out, as indeed such conflicts stretch out in other countries. But Mr. Ambassador, when, when you look at the sheer numbers, though, the situation does not appear to be improving. In fact, in the first three months of this past year, um, it's been reported more than 2,800 violent killings around the country uh, in the media. And there's also, of course, the repeated kidnappings of school children. I mean, this is what really has been making international headlines. In May, for example, more than 130 school kids, some as young as seven years old, were kidnapped in broad daylight in Niger State. What do you tell those parents? This is, of course, um, most unfortunate. It's tragic. It is not what uh, we're hoping for. The government is doing its best to bring this to an end. It's not been easy because of uh, decades of melees in Nigeria that this administration is looking to correct. Uh, and um, the negative uh, media reports sometimes also fuel these acts of violence, the kidnapping, the terrorism. So it's the media's fault. It's, it's the media's fault that there's an estimated 700 students kidnapped for ransom uh, since December in your country? That's not what I'm saying. Certainly not. It's not the media's fault, but it has further fueled some of the violence, as we've seen of, of, of recent. You have to bear in mind that Nigeria is the most populous country in Africa. It's a nation of 200 million people. So certainly there would be um, acts of violence. There would be um, all sorts of issues, particularly since we have endured years of, uh, of, uh, of underdevelopment, which this administration is looking uh, to reverse. 
You mentioned that the government is taking action. I want to look at some of that action because the Senate is considering making it illegal to pay ransom to kidnappers. Is that the government's plan to punish the victims, the parents in the face of the government's own inability to provide security for their children? Well, you see, uh, Nigeria practices uh, a democratic system of government. You have uh, the principle of separation of power. You have an executive arm, a legislative arm, an independent judiciary, a bicameral legislature. So it's not every single action that uh, is either that should be attributed to either the president or the executive arm. You know, it has several moving parts. It has uh, several clogs in the democratic wheel. But Mr. Ambassador, do you think that this is a useful law? Does the president think that this is a useful law? Um, do you think that parents who fear for the life of a child could really be prevented from paying a ransom by law from a government that is not capable of protecting the children in the first place? Is this useful? We practice a deliberative democracy where there's discourse and within that uh, framework of discourse, we eventually come up with a position. This is how democracy works and this is what is happening in Nigeria, which is the most populous country in Africa. It's a country of 200 million people. So you cannot just uh, take decisions by fiat. So you're not you're not taking a position on that. That's what I'm hearing from you. Um, let's look at the overall situation. I am allowing the process to I'm allowing the process to uh, to take its course. Okay. Let's look at the overall situation. A lot of these kidnappings and violence they're happening in the north, of course. Uh, the military there. Let's look at their strategy. They're regrouping troops into super camps or, or garrison towns where they wait to repel the attacks rather than go on the offensive against the militants, militants, for example, like, like Boko Haram, in their hideouts. Can you explain that? Well, these are perhaps some of the techniques uh, and the strategies employed in uh, asymmetric warfare, which takes place in uh, different parts of the world. Nigeria is not unique when it comes to that. You have to bear in mind that you're often uh, taking on an invisible uh, enemy that's uh, continuously on the move. I'm sure uh, we're in Germany here. I'm sure uh, the Biden-Meinhof uh, was taken on, you know, using similar strategies or the IRA or, you know, uh, several other uh, insurgent groups and, and terrorist groups that uh, governments have had to take on in the past. So why should Nigeria be unique? Yeah, but the point, Mr. Ambassador, is that, you know, we are looking at the situation specifically in Nigeria. And in Nigeria, um, do you admit that it has left a significant portion of the population quite exposed to this particular strategy? I mean, you have um, the UN, for example, saying that it's making it difficult to get internally displaced people aid. Um, you have leading security organizations saying that these Boko Haram factions, that these affiliated, uh, you know, and similar groups are taking advantage of the space created by the super camp military strategy, and they're moving around more freely. They're building support. They're building their networks. You have to bear in mind that this is a conflict that is uh, taking place in a very difficult terrain, as I said earlier, within a very complex cross-border area where four African countries meet, where there are hundreds of islands due to the uh, receding uh, Lake Chad. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's not uh, that straightforward. You can also, if you want, focus on the, resettle, the, the, the return of... Uh, 
of uh, individuals that have been living in uh, internally displaced camps uh, to, uh, to towns and villages. That is equally happening. So it's, you know, while, while some might be moving to uh, internally displaced camps, others are moving back home. So it's, a, it's a very complex thing and it's very dynamic and it's forever changing. The state of your military's capacity is also in question. Uh, the Senate has confirmed that massive recruitment, procurement of equipment is needed for the security forces. Resources are said to be stretched thin. So why has the government failed to even secure the best equipment for the military? I mean, the, the pledges from Buhari to, to crush these armed groups, aren't they just empty words if you don't have the resources? We haven't been able to uh, as much as we want because many of the manufacturing countries would not sell it to us. You know, we've had to contend with uh, certain acts such as uh, the Lehi Act and, uh, and several others in, in, in countries and uh, the, the negative propaganda sometimes that is unfairly used to label uh, the Nigerian military as uh, committing uh, abuses and what have you. Uh, and that is highlighted instead of the positive um, uh, acts that uh, should be associated with them. So again, it's the fault of others. Um, so, so just tell me then, um, because I'd like to move on to another no, topic. No, that's not what I'm saying. And that's not what I'm saying. Well, I'm I mean, Mr. Ambassador, you, you spend it's very less complex. than 1% of GDP on security. So <laughs> perhaps you can clarify for us, you know, what the priority is in the country. The priority is to address uh, most of these issues holistically and to tackle the root cause instead of the symptoms. This is what the Nigerian government is trying to do. So some of the root causes of violence, of insecurity, happen to be um, poverty, uh, a lack of uh, uh, effective governance at, at the local government level. And this is what the Nigerian government is trying to tackle. We have a social investment program. You could talk about it. It's a, it's a noble cause. You could focus on something like that. Certainly. So we have to make the choice whether to buy, to spend more on, uh, on weapons or whether to spend uh, on, on, on solving the issue of poverty. And, and we're going to talk about the economy. And then we want to buy the weapons, m many often, most often, we're, we're not sold the weapons that we need. Uh, and Mr. Ambassador, we're going to talk about the economy, I assure you, in our conversation. Um, so we will be returning to that. But I'd just like to ask you first about the state of human rights in the country, because, you know, it's not just attacks in the north, kidnapping. You have, you know, many hotspots all over the country. And in response to some attacks blamed on separatists, for example, in the southeast, the military has launched Operation Restore Peace. Buhari said on Twitter, we have given the police and the military the power to be ruthless the power to be ruthless. What does that mean? It just means what every country, every government believes, that we're living in a world that is uh, primarily defined by nation states, sovereign nation states. And the sovereign nation states are meant to have the monopoly of violence so that non-state actors will not uh, unravel uh, such countries and unleash mayhem and death and, and, and murder and ma massacre in such territories. This is what every country does. But I think the concern among, among many is that there are these previously documented evidences of mass extrajudicial killings by securities in this region in particular. So the question is, when Buhari says ruthless, is that what he means, extrajudicial killings? It's happened before. 
That's certainly not what he means because he has used the same phrase uh, with regards to um, the violence by, by bandits and by, by, terror, by terrorist activities in northeastern Nigeria, in northwestern Nigeria. It applies to the whole country. Wherever you have non-state actors, you see there's no state. You, if, if a country, if... A, if, if, if uh, 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 groups or, or individuals or powers that do not subject themselves to um, the jurisdiction of a nation state are allowed to dictate the um, course of political life in any but country nobody, that, that that country ceases right. to exist. But that's it not what we're talking to, about, to Mr. Ambassador. Sovereign. We're talking about the approach of the military in terms of, you know, handling the secessionist movement and these, these particular groups that you are targeting. Amnesty says you have a reckless and, and a trigger-happy approach to crowd control. Um, and, and, and it's not only when it comes to this particular area, in fact. I'd like to ask you about another incident. There were reports of at least 12 civilians killed when forces shot at police pro at peaceful protesters, excuse me, at Lecky Toll Plaza in Lagos back in October. Is this the strategy that your forces use to help calm protests, peaceful protests in the country, shooting at peaceful civilians with live ammunition? Okay, so unfortunately this report uh, that, um, I know you've done your homework, but unfortunately this report happens to be the very same report uh, that was exposed to be untrue by none other than the State Department of the United States. They had their own investigation and said the report was untrue. Well, that well they, sir, I have no not seen that report, but, but I have heard from the... people were killed. Sir, I, I have not seen that report, but I have heard from, from the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights, mm -hmm. Michelle Bachelet, and she has a position of authority, as you know. She says, quote, there is little doubt that this was a case of excessive use of force resulting in unlawful killings with live ammunition by Nigerian armed forces. The State Department report is easy to access. You can Google it online. It's there. It's, uh, it, it, it contends that that report that you're referring to is inaccurate. And to date, there has not been any substantial proof to, to, show, to show otherwise. Well, uh, you know, to, you're, to prove that. Then, so, then let me you ask know, you. It's, let me it's follow easy up on to that. cherry pick. It's easy to cherry pick and decide you want to highlight the negative stuff, even when there's no evidence. And you know, you cannot use, you know, reports that are, are, are churned out by, 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 by the by United Nations. And, by the United and, Nations. And no, who's, a, who's observing that, what, what witnesses are saying in your country. They, they said in the incident, witnesses sometimes, said that CCTV cameras and lights were switched off shortly before soldiers opened fire on peaceful protesters. The U.N. says this indicates a disturbing level of premeditation. Your government has apparently set up panels of inquiry to look into this, to look into other incidents by, um, you know, uh, 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 a group of your security forces, um, which rights groups say routinely practice torture. I'd just like to ask you, you know, how, how can the public trust that they will, that you will really get to the bottom of what happened when it seems as if you don't want to really the, look at it? The Nigerian... The Nigerian public, the overwhelming majority of the Nigerian public trusts that the government, the Nigerian government will get to the bottom of it as it always does. But sadly, 
due to lobbyists, due to fake NGOs, due to fake websites, due to uh, the echo chambers created on social media where knee-jerk reactions follow uh, such incidents, uh, the, the uh, substantial segment or section of uh, the Western media and uh, certain, certain countries get the wrong Mr. Ambassador, Mr. Ambassador, and, and, and they allow they, they, and they subsist on it. Mr. Sadly. Ambassador, I think we can both agree, though, that there were protesters that who were there and, and what they were there for was to protest against police brutality, especially from the elite unit called SARS. Which rights groups? And I think we can both agree that the response, the initial response, torture, ill treatment, extrajudicial killings. Let me ask you: Why were there no charges brought against members of this unit earlier? These abuses are well the documented. The unit itself was disbanded. The unit itself was disbanded. But the and evidence see, of torture cannot, predated the disbandment. As I said, you cannot cherry years. pick. You can't cherry pick what to highlight. Sorry, excuse me. You can't cherry pick what to highlight when it comes to Nigeria. You were not in Nigeria, or perhaps you were not aware that when this very same unit, SARS, was created in response to uh, uh, um, uh, armed robberies in Lagos in the 90s, that this course of action was celebrated. So now it's outlived its use. And when there were protests and complaints and, comp uh, and petitions, President Muhammadu Buhari disbanded it. He brought it to an he, end. He but disbanded then, it, but then he certain, created a unit, yeah. SWAT, in the same breath to replace it. So the question is, if you haven't addressed, if you haven't brought charges in the past, who can really trust that this new unit will be any different? And, and as you know, that is, a, that is a question that a lot of people in your country, in fact, are asking. But because I, there, are ju there, there are still judicial panels of inquiry that are taking place looking into these uh, allegations of, of abuse. We're not saying we have a perfect police force, just as is the case in most countries, or in every country, I should say. You would have bad eggs that would do uh, things that are not sanctioned by the government, but you, it, does not, it does not mean that the only course of action is to highlight the negative and but highlight Mr. Ambassador, what we will, would create it remains this narrative to be seen. that Nigeria, Nigeria operates a democratic system of government, like I said. So let's we talk about democracy. We uphold the rule of law. We uphold. So let's okay, talk about let's, democracy let's talk then. About it. Earlier this month, the government banned Twitter. Can you explain that move? I can explain it because the simple explanation is that Nigeria, as I said, operates a democratic system of government. We've had six successive elections every four years since 1999. One of the, uh, the, the, the uh, important, the most, one of the most important norms of, uh, of democracy is freedom of speech, which Nigeria upholds, which Nigeria celebrates, which Nigeria protects, but you cannot use, you cannot allow uh, uh, certain uh, elements to use those democratic norms. Mr. Ambassador, I want to ask you why itself, Twitter was shut down. Do. Wasn't it because the platform took down President Buhari's tweet for violating its abusive behavior it. policy? It's, no, that's, that's not the reason. The reason why Twitter was shut down was because Twitter has been uh, airing 
um, pictures, videos, and uh, the vituperations of, of people that are looking to unravel Nigeria, which... Well, you know, many people are looking death, at the situation and in, they say Buhari's tweet was suspended. In the, in the burning Two days later, Twitter was banned. Is this a proportionate response? And now we have the attorney general ordering the immediate prosecution of offenders of the federal government's ban on Twitter. So it's Twitter users now that, that your government is going to prosecute. As I said, your own citizens. That's what I democracy earlier, looks like. As I said you. earlier. As, as I said earlier, sadly, regret, regrettably, uh, this cherry-picking approach creates the wrong narrative. If you go back to 2019, you will see that President Muhammad Buhari has been consistent about the adverse effect of social media when it chooses not to be responsible, their real life, their real world... But the question uh, uh, is deaths, whether banning it murder, was a proportionate uh, response, back, Mr. Ambassador. And, and right back, now, sorry, Nigeria can I, can is joining the ranks of China, North Korea, Iran on issuing a ban on Twitter. Do you, do you feel comfortable in that company? Can I just make the point I was trying to make? If you go back to 2019, uh, President Buhari, Muhammad Buhari addressed the world at the uh, United Nations General Assembly. He spoke about the Christchurch attacks and the, uh, the negative effect of uh, live streaming of such violent acts and, and, and encouraging uh, terrorist groups and, 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 and violent groups to, uh, to have that space uh, within social media, which spurs others on into acts of violence. This is no less different than that. So but Bahari has been consistent when it comes to that. But you're, you're forgetting what he, what he said in 2019 and just looking at his reaction uh, towards uh, the social media. A, 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 a week after a very prominent uh, politician was killed in southeastern Nigeria, a, a, a few days after the, the, the IPOB, a few days after IPOB had burnt uh, the electoral commission's offices, in the same region. Mr. Ambassador, the reaction to that move, let's look at the international reaction, please. Let's look at the international reaction <laughs> because Canada, the EU, the UK, the US, they have all condemned this Twitter ban. I mean, the, the US says it has no place in a democracy. Don't you need foreign investments to help build your economy? We need foreign investments. We also need for those countries to be mindful of the fact that uh, IPOB and such uh, groups have been engaging lobby firms like uh, Mercury Public Affairs, for instance, that it's paying uh, $85,000 uh, a day to churn out such negative stuff, to, uh, to uh, go on a full court press on U.S. senators and, uh, and prominent people, prominent politicians, so that they would create this negative narrative about Nigeria, and which is far from the truth. And those who are on ground know that. And, the, uh, for instance, the uh, British High Commissioner in Nigeria is aware of that because now she's on the receiving end. She's being uh, threatened by the same IPOB, by Namdi Kanu, the leader of IPOB. Mr. Ambassador, I'd like to, to ask you, because, I mean, what, what is clear um, is that the economic situation in the country is not good. Unemployment has more than quadrupled since Buhari took office. More than half of young people can't find jobs. I mean, that's, that's more than half of your population that is under the age of 24. And, and furthermore, nearly half of adults say that they plan to move to another country within the next five years. Half of adults 
want to leave the country within the next five years. With whom do you plan on building the future of your country? With Nigerians, as we've always done, we have uh, uh, an economic downturn, just like other countries in the world. Uh, uh, it's important to remember that we're living through uh, a global pandemic. Uh, Nigeria, unfortunately, has depended, uh, depended uh, overwhelmingly on uh, foreign exchange coming from uh, crude oil sales. This current government is looking to diversify Nigeria's economy. Do you risk a lost generation? We have an economics. With figures like this, do you risk a lost generation? No, we don't, which is why we're, we're, we've put our, our, our heads down and we're diversifying Nigeria's economy. If you look at, at the plans that we have in place, the national economic uh, uh, plans that we have in place that are diversifying, look at what is happening, look at the rice revolution, going on in Nigeria, look at the, the fertilizer uh, blending that is going on in Nigeria, look, as I said earlier, at uh, the social investment program, look at the second Niger bridge, look at uh, the rail projects, look at the gas pipeline projects, look at what Siemens is doing with regards to electricity. These are the things that you should look, be looking at. Look at also uh, the media and entertainment uh, sector. Uh, Nigeria is one of the fastest growing when it comes to that. These are the sort of things you should be con concentrating on. Information uh, and digital technology. Ambassador Tugart, we have to leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us on Conflict Zone. Being a pleasure. Thank you for having me.